My name's Christian. For those that don't know me, welcome to, um, <coughs> to Seafree Church. I um, pastor the church with Angie, my wife, who I'm just sharing a drink with right now. Um, <coughs> and it's lovely to see you. It's just lovely, lovely, lovely. And it's great to see an extra addition to the Riley family with us as well there. That's nice. So welcome. Excellent. Excellent to have you with us. Um, so, um, lovely to have some time with us all. And I'm literally going to go through something. Which I've, I've, we were going through the book of Luke uh, at the moment um, within this Lent period. But this is something which, um, as going through the book of Luke, is, I felt is quite prophetic as well. But I'm going to start off with a question. Have you ever felt a little bit stressed? I got a few yeses, yeah. <laughs> um, ever felt there's not enough hours in the day? Yeah, most of you are all right with that. You've got enough hours in the day. Um, ever felt there's too much has been expected from you? No, all right, this is going higher and higher. Right, okay, frazzle. Sometimes it can feel like the circumstances of life have got a little bit too much, and it's all we can do to survive. And I think that's very true for a lot of people. And it's easy for us to get our hair off sometimes. That's not a pun, by the way. But anyway, apparently we are, um, we can, this is a very depressing thing to start with, isn't it? But there we are. It's a statistic from the Mental Health Foundation 2018. We said that 74% of the UK are overwhelmed or unable to cope at some point in the past year. That's not nice. But life has been overwhelming for people right the way through history. And if we travel all the way back to Israel, 1100 BC-ish, the Israelites have been invaded by the Midianites and are living in caves and struggling for food and safety. Enter Daniel, who will tell us more about that at this particular point. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in the Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Ebrezerite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in the winepress to keep it from the Midianites. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied. But if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, Go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. The Lord answered, I will be with you, and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Gideon replied, If now I have found favor in your eyes, give me a sign that it is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. Thank you very much. That's it. Very good. Ah, oh, that's good. Um, you can go to youth now, yes. <laughs> um... So um, I love this story because Gideon is struggling with doubt hugely in this. He, he, he begins off and he's, he feels like he's um, quite a weak man. He believes he's got nothing to offer. He's got nothing to do at all. And then God comes along and he says, that's not who you are. You are actually a strong man. You're a really, 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 really strong person. Able, in fact, to save a nation. And, um, and Gideon's like, that is just not who I am. That's not how I see myself. Now, as opposed to Jonah, who just legs it at that particular point, he, he would just get a message and go, I'm not listening to that. Gideon has a conversation. 
So rather than doubt and do nothing about it, he doubts but continues to talk to God all the way through. And it's that ongoing conversation where God meets him. So he starts off with, I've, I've got nothing, I can't do it. You know, you've left us, you've abandoned us. And then God says, well, I'm sending you, you're actually a strong person. And then in the end, if you follow the story through, he starts fleecing him. If you don't know what fleecing is, you get a fleece out. You can do that tonight, tonight at home. I don't know if it works. I've never tried it. You get, a, you get a fleece and you go, God, if it's really you speaking to me, make the fleece wet and everything else dry. Don't try it because, you know, this was specific for this story. But this is what happens in Judges. And then he does it the other way. He keeps on going through it. So then he flips it around and he says, right, make the fleece dry. Oh, I can't remember what I said the first time now. But <laughs> make one wet, the other dry, and then the second night, make the other one dry and the other one wet. And God does it all. God meets him where he's at. God meets him in the middle of his doubt. He meets him in the middle of his struggles. He meets him where he's struggling the most. And through an ongoing conversation with Jesus, like Beth was talking about prayer the other week, she was saying that prayer isn't just talking, it's listening. So it wasn't just let's talk and talk and talk and then let's scarf her off. It's let's talk and let's listen to see what comes back. And so what came back to Gideon at that point was, you can do it, you can do it, I'm with you. And God kept telling him he was with him. Until in the end, enough faith was breathed into Gideon that he went up and he raised an army and he saved Israel. Amen? Okay? And that was a huge and ongoing process that went on. It didn't take by like that. It wasn't like, off you go, and he went, yeah, brilliant, I'll do it. He met him where he was, and he took him to the place where he needed to, well, he took him to who he really was. He showed him who he really was. In the strength you have, he was already strong because God was already with him. Amen? Yeah? So all he did was reveal himself as he actually was. And that's really, really, really what we're exploring today. Because today we're asking just how much power does live in you? And what's it for? I would like to take credit for that, but Sally does that. So, um, well done, Sally, for my wonderful graphic. <laughs> um, but we're all on a journey. We're all on a journey to discover the full potential of the power that's working inside of us. Paul prayed this in Ephesians 1, verse 19. He said, I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. So this was something that was on Paul's heart. He wanted us to know just how much power was available to us, how much power God was pouring into our souls at all times. So through today's preach, we're going to explore just that whole process, and we're going to see through Jesus, as we are going through the book of Luke, what took place. So we're kicking in at Luke 4, where Jesus has just returned from the desert, where he's had 40 days of temptations and trials and not eating, and he walks into his hometown in the power of the Spirit, and he reads from verse 18 onwards. This is obviously, uh, this is, well, not obviously necessarily, but he opens up the, the book of Isaiah, and he reads the following. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released, that the blind will see, that the oppressed will be set free, and that the time of the Lord's favor has come. He rolled up the scroll, handed it back to the attendant, and sat down. All eyes in the synagogue looked at him intently. Then he began to speak to them. The scripture you've just heard has been fulfilled this very day. 
Jesus was called, Jesus was empowered to preach and to demonstrate a life-changing message. This was a message that would change the entirety of the world. Jesus' mission ultimately is for mankind to come back to a rich and wonderful relationship with God. And he did this by causing the kingdom of heaven to break out powerfully into people's lives. He came along to people who were suffering, who were poor, who were being tormented, who were struggling with all sorts of things, and heaven came into their lives. And that's amazing. And he did it through preaching, he did it through healings, he did it through miracles, he did it through casting out demons, he did it through so many different ways. But heaven came into people's lives. His power sets us free, if we bring it all the way back to the present tense, from the power of sin. It sets us free from addictions, it sets us free from guilt, it sets us free from fear, it sets us free from anger, from torment. His power restores us mind, body, soul. Completely, utterly, it breathes peace. We've been singing about this. God's power breathes peace and grace into the deepest core of our being. Jesus came that people could see with clarity, would have the right perspective on life, rather than see through distorted lenses. His power breaks the chains of heaviness. His power comes in and gives us hope. It gives us freedom. It gives us light where there was once darkness. That's our God. You all right about that? You look excited if you haven't. I think that's pretty good. So, anyway, have you ever felt loaded down by guilt? Sometimes. Sometimes. That's good. Well, it's not good, actually. Trapped in sin. Trapped in a destructive lifestyle. Have you ever felt trapped in a destructive lifestyle? Yeah? Have you ever felt trapped in thoughts dominating your mind again and again and again? Certain things that you can't escape from. Weighed down by fear. Weighed down by anxiety. Anyone relate to any of that? Because this is what Jesus' life-giving spirit sets us free from. And this is really, really, really where he came in at that point. To take us from a point of surviving to thriving. To take us to a place where we're not just getting through each day, but where we are constantly and utterly connected to the power of God. So, let's just have a look at something which we can, we can have. Yeah, let's go to Romans 6, verse 11. Romans 6, verse 11, this is um, one of the bits which is really, he's, you would say that he's talking about a lot. So we would say that massively, we'll, we'll look at both of these sandwiched together actually, but we'll say that where he said, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me to preach good news. And a lot of the time we center on it being the forgiveness. And absolutely, forgiveness is so, so, so important. The forgiveness of sins, that's what the first thing, which the, the first thing that we talk about every single time when we talk about the gospel, we talk about forgiveness of sins. But it's the power of sin also that we need to center on. The power that sin has to drag us into doing things that we shouldn't be doing, that we don't want to be doing, that are destructive to us. Romans 6, verse 11 is an amazing verse. It just kind of encapsulates a lot of Romans 6, actually, although really it needs to be read in context. But it says the following, Consider yourselves to be dead to the power of sin and alive to God through Christ Jesus. Now, we could spend forever on this particular verse because it's incredible how this actually took place. But that's a big part of the package of the gospel. 
that actually the power of sin, that's when we were not saved, it could do and dictate to our lives to do anything we it jolly well wanted, has been killed off inside of us. And now we are free from it. And then 2 Peter 1 verse 3, I'm going to zip to this, says the following. His divine power, by his divine power, God has given us everything we need, everything we need for living a godly life. So I'm centering now on your walk with God rather than just relationship. The power of sin, so we talk about what power lives in you. The power of sin doesn't live in you anymore. The power for, for sin to dictate to you to do whatever you jolly well want, it jolly well wants and what you don't want has gone. There's a new power now that lives inside of us that means that we can live free from that power, free from it completely. Sin used to be able to boss us about. That was its right. That was its strength. That was what it had. It used to be able to say, do that, do that, do the other, and you had to do it, pretty much. Effectively, in the unsaved state, you are, had very little choice a lot of the time. You may have thought you had choice, actually, but not normally. Pretty much, if it told you to smash a window, you had to smash a window. You can't actually use that in a court of law. You can't say, the sinful nature made me do it, Your Honor. But, effectively, that's the way it generally works. Now, it's gone. It's been smashed. And now God's given us everything we need. That's the power that lives inside of us. The power to live a godly life. Because of Jesus' death on the cross and the power of his resurrection, we have the power to say no to sin and yes to righteous living. The work by Jesus doesn't just grant us forgiveness. It grants us power. And therefore, we need to know that. It's working constantly in us to enable, to empower you to live a godly life, to empower us all, which is far better for our souls, far better for us to live in such a way. Before I was a Christian, oh, these stories, before I was a Christian, before I was a Christian, when I was a student, my life, my mandate on life was whatever's easiest. I'll be honest, that was, that was how I lived, for, for, and probably for a few years after that. Whatever's easiest was pretty much it. I remember um, being a, a student, getting up very late a lot of the time, but that's not the point. The point was, in my final year, I went to my academic counsellor and I'd been given a whole lot of topics that I should do to, to, to complete the degree. And I looked at some of them and I thought, some of these look really hard. And I don't like that. And I navigated a way around it. And I thought, actually, I'm still allowed to do that one and that's a lot easier. So I went to him and said, can I switch a few of these around, please? And he said, yeah, we can make that happen, actually. Uh, it's not a problem. Can I ask why? I said, well, it's easier, isn't it? Which I thought was very brainy. Do you know what I mean? I thought there was nothing wrong with that. Very clever thinking. I wanted an easier life. He goes, well, no, I'm not doing it for that reason. And that, I thought it was very harsh, a very harsh thing. But as far as it went... That was the way I thought. Whatever's easiest. Is it easier? Then I'll take the easy option. Give me the easy route. I don't want to do the hard route. What's the point? Is there a shortcut? That's the way my brain is wired. What's the shortcut? Give me the shortcut. Stuff it. If it doesn't mean things are done as well, I'll do the shortcut all the time. And so I lived like that for so long. And then God started picking me up bit by... Some of you are looking horrified at me. <laughs> Good, okay. Um, so, as far as it goes, I'll, I'll move on swiftly with the story. 
Um, so God started picking me up on these things bit by bit because it robs you, doesn't it? If you're living a life for ease, then that's rubbish, actually, because you get, you get robbed. And then I was working in insurance, and it was a really easy job, I'll be honest with you. I just got in, just, you know, pushed some buttons on the computer and went home again. It was a very, very straightforward job. And, um, and God started challenging me on, on this, and bit by bit by bit, I cut to the chase. We, he started to push me, not in a horrible way, but show me that there was a better way of living. Show me that there was a far better way, where it wasn't a life of laziness. And I'm saying laziness because none of you have laziness. It's easy ones to pick on. But none of, it, was, it was one of those things. And so I use, in, use, use these two verses. I'm going to show you how I apply it to my life and how it makes a massive breakthrough for a whole lot of things. So if you flip to the next slide. So looking at this, 6.11, Romans 6.11, 2 Peter 1. I am dead to the power of sin. Now you see I put sin there in bracket. We pick any sin. You can pick any sin you want now. And then you can put it in. Empowered to live a, a godly life. So, so if I did it with laziness, which I did, and I'll tell you more about this in a minute, I am dead to the power of laziness. I am. It feels quite good to say it. I am dead to the power of laziness. Laziness cannot tell me to have a lie-in. You know, I can choose to have a lie-in, but, you know, it's up to me. Laziness can't say have a lie-in. So I am dead to the power of laziness, and I'm empowered to live a diligent life. Now, I'm not joking. There have been times when I've been lying in bed. This is true. Been times when I've been lying, I shouldn't let lie anyway, should you? I've been lying in bed, struggling to get out of bed, and going, ah, and then I will speak that out. I am dead to the power of laziness, and I am powered to live a diligent life. And I wake up like that. Serious. You're not believing me. I'll do it again. I wake up like <laughs> It's an amazing thing. There's, it's faith. Listen to it. You're going to get nothing out of this. Get this. It's faith that connects us to the power of God. So as we speak out the word of God, then faith rises in us. And we get connected to that power that's already there. Just like we're saved by faith, yeah, so we got saved by faith, so we get connected to God's power by faith as well. We get connected to God's salvation by faith. We get connected to, we just walk in faith in this way. So that was, that's one way. You can pick any sin you want. Let's go for lust. That's a really good one, isn't it? I am dead to the power of lust. Right? I am. You all are, if you say. Dead to the power of lust and empowered to live a pure life. That would be the opposite, wouldn't it? Empowered to live a pure life. You're looking at like, oh, where's he going now? <laughs> What's the next one he's going to pick it? But it's important, Yeah. Because there's a lot of people that struggle with pornography. There's a lot of people that struggle with these kind of things. So use that one if that's, you know, something which is, you know, you can throw these things in. I am dead to the power of, give us another one. Give us a sin. Give us a sin. Greed. greed. All right. I'm dead to the power of greed and alive and power to live a generous life. Look at that. And as you use these, and as you keep on speaking this out, faith blossoms, faith grows, faith is nurtured inside of us, and we are empowered increasingly to live a more and more a godly life. Does that make sense? Yeah. This is fun, isn't it? We could spend the rest of the time on this. Have a little mini discussions with yourselves. That'd be good. But it's important. How about dead to the power of fear? That's good, isn't it? You're dead to the power of fear. Fear's been killed off in you. Dead to the power of fear and empowered to live a bold life. Empowered to live a courageous life. Every single one of you has the power inside of you of boldness. Not boldness, boldness. It's different. 
Okay? Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for that. Uh, <laughs> every single one of you has the power, <laughs> has the fast me finish now, has the power of, of courageousness, and that's important. Okay, so let's give you a question. How much, I'm sorry, I'm going to be, <laughs> let me just, how much power did it take to raise Jesus from the dead? Have a think about that while I compose myself. How much power did it take to raise Jesus from the dead? Imagine it. Imagine Jesus in the tomb five minutes before resurrection. Oh, you spoiled it. <laughs> On a scale of 0 to 10, how much power does it take to raise Jesus from the dead, do you think? Or does it take to raise anyone from the dead, really? Yeah, are we going for an 8? Who went for 8.5? <laughs> Any advance of 8.5? <laughs> That's more than it takes to tra travel in time. So, um, <laughs> as far as it goes, we're losing it today. As far as, it, again, um, that's a lot of power. It takes a lot of power to, to, um, to raise Jesus from the dead. And that same power lives inside of us. Ephesians 1 verse 19 to 20 says the following. And we actually started on 19. I pray that you'll understand the incredible greatness of God's power for us who believe in him. This is the same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now it's time to believe that verse in all of its fullness. Amen? That's a huge, huge, huge promise that that's what's living inside of us, each and every single one of us. Now, we can just dismiss that, or we can just read through it, and we can just glibly go, oh, well, I've heard that before. And that's fine. But if we're not taking that in, then it's not going to change and transform our lives. And we need to meditate on that more and more. It's faith that connects us to that power. And therefore, we need to be listening all the time to these kind of promises to activate that kind of faith inside of us, activate that kind of power in the end. So the more we do that, the more we'll see God's power moving. There's a lie, I think, that easily lives inside of us that says that life is too hard at times. You know what I mean? Do you know when things get a bit tough? Do you know when things get a bit tricky? Do you know when things get, you know, could get really tricky for some people? And it's very easy for a thought to pop in that says, I haven't got what it takes. I haven't got what it takes to get through this, this challenge. I haven't got what it takes to move through this. I can't achieve. I can't survive. I can't get past this next day. It's all I can do to keep on going. But I, this is just really, really, really tough. I can't do it. Does anyone use the word can't much? Yeah, a little bit. Self-talk, isn't it? A little bit. But it isn't true. It isn't true. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. There is a can here that we need to get on our talk as we speak out. I was, um, when I was a math teacher, used to hear this loads. I can't do this sum. I can't do this calculation. I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't do it. Say, so, well, what bit of it can't you do? And they say, all of it. This is a common thing every single lesson. But there, there is this can't. It comes down and it's a mindset. I'm not talking about, I'm not going to give you maths to do right now. Don't worry. But it's a mindset where immediately we've got this kind of when things get tough, I can't do it. And, and it, it, there's a requirement to, to meditate on some verses to shift mindsets. Romans 12, 2 talks about the importance of renewing our mind. 
So, and renew your mind. Meditate on the word and renew your mind again and again and again. And become I, I can people, not I can't people. I, I found myself getting frustrated with something more recently. And as I was getting frustrated with it, this voice popped in. or I, I found myself just speaking out this word, these words. Come on, Christian, you can do this. Just, it, I'm not like that. Just under my breath. You know. Come on, Christian, you can do this. And then immediately I stood up straight and I was like, yeah, all right, come on, let's get on with it. And I thought, that's weird. But I caught myself saying it. And it occurred to me that you either say I can or you say I can't. Do you know what I'm saying? And when I said I can do this, I, I sat up straight and I got back on with the job. And it's something that's ingrained in my, in my processing. It's something that's ingrained in me. I will say, when things get tough, come on, you can do this. It's the self, I know it's self-taught, but it's truth. I can do it with Jesus, I can do it. Not apart, I mean, we can go to John 15, and it'll say, apart from me, you can do nothing. But with Jesus, I can. So I'm like, come on, come on, Christian, I can do this. And, I'm, and that's the way that you can elevate and change your mind again and again to overcome the struggles and the, and the problems that a lot of the time we're faced with. We are people that can. Amen? We're people that are there. It's Jesus that takes out the can'ts. It's Jesus that takes out the bit of us that's going, oh, it's just too difficult. It's just too hard. It's just too... It's, no, it's not. You can do all things because it's Jesus in you that's doing the strengthening. It's Jesus in you that's doing the empowering. So that's really, really important. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus, but the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, you can also say. His power works in us. When Jesus ascended, he gave the same mandate to his disciples. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us, not just to walk victoriously over sin, not just to live a holy life, not just to live a full and abundant life, not just to have peace when things get really tough. Not just enough so that we can go through our troubles with a smile on our face. That's not what it's all about. That's not the full picture. God's power doesn't just fill us. God's power overflows through us. Now, these are three people. I don't know whether this is very clear or not, but this was very late at night where we tried to get this sorted. Uh, the first person you may feel like at times. I don't know. The second person is full of the power of God. Do you know, sis? That's the yellow. You'd have to work with me on this a little bit. The yellow there is a person who's walking tall because he's full of the power of God. The third person is recognizing that they are overflowing in the power of God. And there is a difference because when we recognize that we're overflowing in the power of God, we will recognize that the Spirit of the Lord is on me, not just for me, not just so I can have a happy life, but that I can change other people's. That I can go in and I can change the atmosphere when I walk into a room. That when I go in and speak to people, there's an anointing on me, there's a power on me. There's something in me that breaks people free, that sets the captives free, that heals the brokenhearted. That I can go in and I can proclaim good news to people and I can see people changed. That's really, really, really key. We're called to make disciples. Jesus said, go and make disciples. He didn't say, go and have a great time. Yeah? Go and make disciples. And he empowered us to do that by allowing, well, allowing, by empowering us with the Spirit of God. It overflows. The Spirit of God overflows all the time on us, more and more and more. Jesus made a massive impact on the communities he visited, didn't he? Yeah? 
Just, just from those that know about Jesus, think about the impact he had when he visited a town. Was, was it kind of like nobody really sort of noticed? Or, you know, something happened, didn't it? He walked into a place, something happened. I'm, you know, I'm not saying when he did woodwork, although that's good. Yeah. I'm saying when he went in and he did something, he went in and people, you know, he ministered to people. People were getting healed. They were getting set free from stuff. They were getting, there were miracles taking place. He was preaching. He was changing worlds. He was changing the life. But that same spirit that was on Jesus lives in us. Amen? Okay. So when you go into your spheres of influence, you go into your worlds, where you go into those places, you can have the same impact. Now, that's a bit weird to think about. But it's the truth. That spirit that lived on Jesus, as we've already looked at, that power that was in Jesus is now in us. Amen? So we can go out and preach good news to the poor. We can see the captives set free. There is a power on you that when you speak to people about the good news, about Jesus, they will be set free from lies that they've been holding in, from things that they've been holding on to for a long time. You may not see salvations every single minute of the day, but you will see changes as you go in and interact with people, as you build relationships, and as you transform communities around you. Amen? And that there is really the whole point of the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on you. We've, we've traveled all the way through with, actually, there's a lot of power in you, so that's really good for you. But really... Really, at the end of it, it has to come back to the fact that the point, the real point of the Spirit of the Lord is upon you is to make a difference in the communities that we live in. Amen? If we can have the band up, that would be amazing. I think it's really easy to think that life is too difficult and we don't have the boldness. It's too difficult to go out into our communities. It's too easy, it's too difficult to go out and to change things because people don't want to know. We can come up with a list of excuses why it's too difficult to speak to people about Jesus or to interact. But it isn't the case. It's God that brings the power to overcome our feeling that we're not bold enough. It's God that brings the wisdom to know what to say. He will teach us to say the right things at the right times. And that's really, really crucial. It's God that's sending us out into our communities. Amen? This was the whole thing in the Great Commission. Go out and make disciples, and I will be with you. It's exactly the same as with Gideon. Go in the strength you have and save Israel. Yeah? We can marry the two stories together perfectly. Go in the strength you have. Go in the strength of the Holy Spirit and save Israel. Go in the strength of the Holy Spirit and bring good news to your people. Bring good news to your friends, to your family. Pray for them. See them build, build relationship with people and then see them brought into the kingdom of God. It's been an amazing journey with the, with the guys from Alpha. A lot of them still with us today. Um, just enjoying the questions, enjoying the things that we've been talking about there. And it's in all of it is just building relationship and answering questions. And it's an amazing thing because people are amongst our communities that are hungry to know about the real hope of the world, the real light of the world, the real sense of purpose that we can have. So we have more power, far more power than we can possibly imagine. 
And the very Spirit of God, imagine this right now because it's the truth, the very Spirit of God pours in us and through us to keep us strong in our troubles and to shine the good news of Jesus. Can I have every head bowed at this particular point? And we're just going to pray. If there's anyone here today who is not a Christian or would like to come back to being a Christian and you would like to make today the step in following him and receiving your forgiveness and making him Lord, then can you pray with me now? Jesus, I thank you for your work on the cross. I pray that you will forgive me of my sin. And I ask you to come into my heart. I'll make you Lord of my life. Amen. Okay, if you prayed that today um, online, then please email. If it was here, then please talk to me at the end. And um, we'll just give you a bit of material to uh, help you on your first steps in being a Christian.